Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me today on the Broke at 40 podcast, where we're going to be talking about how you can walk and bike your way to financial and fitness success by bundling your habits. Coming up next. Hey, before we start our episode, always remember if you don't want to be broke at 40 like I was, or if you are broke at 40, stay tuned on a weekly basis where I explore the basics of personal finance and more importantly, the behaviors that can bring you from broke to brilliance, whatever you think brilliance may be. And as always, this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult with a financial advisor if necessary. My name is Evan Thomas, and this is the Broke at 40 podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Broke at 40 podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on Sunday, January 9th of 2022. I hope that all of you are having a great year so far. Granted, it's only the first week, (laughs) only 51 more weeks to go, but hopefully you have your build a budget in place and you're using it. I know we talk a lot about that, don't we, where you can create your vision of what you're going to be spending throughout 2022 by knowing exactly how much money you have coming in and how much money you have going out. And so last week, remember at the beginning of the episode where I launched into talking about my financial year of 2021, I gave a little bit of a teaser for you as far as what I wanted to talk about today which is really getting back to basics in 2022. And I'm going to share with you what I'm doing to get back to basics. And this episode, in part, is inspired by James Clear, the book that he wrote several years ago called Atomic Habits. Now, full disclosure, as I put in the show notes, I have not read his book, uh, Atomic Habits, but that's okay. I want to encourage all of you to do your own research and do your own Googling on topics that interest you without maybe having to purchase a book. You don't always have to do that. You may, you may recall that years ago, I shared with you that my acquaintance friend, Tom, which remember I acquired his bike just recently, which I'll probably be talking about today and or in future episodes. You may recall that when I went up to go see him uh, in Provincetown, that I purchased the Susie Orman book, The Young, Fabulous, and Broke, the money book, uh, in 2005. And that was the beginning of my journey towards financial independence. And he teased me and said, you know, you really don't need to buy the book. We have the internet. You can learn all that you want. And that always stuck with me as I've gone through the years Um, And it's so true. So today I'm going to be sharing a little bit of the uh, concepts of his book just because I Googled it. You don't have to buy the book just to get the basic concept. So that's going to be coming up here in just a few minutes. But like many episodes of the Broke at 40 podcast, I like to share with you first my thoughts of the week because I always want you to be kind of with me as I go through this journey towards retirement, basically, now at this point. Um, And I wanted to share with you some things that I thought about before we launch into the content of today's episode. So last week, I do want to mention I made a mistake. 
And you know what? It's okay to make mistakes in your financial life. You're going to make many of them like I did, especially when I was younger. This is a small mistake, but when I was adding up at the end of the episode, what my portfolio has returned, remember, over the past 10 years since 2012, when I was a guest on the Susie Orman Show, the How Am I Doing segment, I have been recording how my portfolio has been growing, what percent I was getting each year. And then as you know, as I've been going through those years, I divide it by how many years I'm at to get the average rate of return for my portfolio. So if you go back and listen to that, I didn't really get 11%. I got 10% for those 10 years. Anyway, kind of insignificant really, but um, wanted to mention that as I listened back to it and I got my calculator out, I divided those numbers, I guess, incorrectly. I'm not sure what I did, but it really is more an average rate of return of 10% over the past 10 years. Again, not bad. And I also wanted to say that last week, part of my analysis when I look at the year, and I'm encouraging all of you guys to do the same, is I felt like I did a little bit of a disservice. I forgot to mention that you can always, as you know, go to dinkytown.net or any savings calculator, really, if you want. But for me, my favorite is dinkytown.net. And you can click on savings calculators at the very top. And I like to reverse engineer to get to the return that my portfolio achieved. And so I didn't really tell you that. But if you recall back to last week, I said that my 2021 calendar year, because remember, I have a fiscal year, so I always have to be looking at just the 12 months that I'm analyzing. But it started with 971,000, ended with 1,151,907. And so the given or the constant are those two numbers. Does that make sense? Because we know what the beginning of my year number was, and I know the ending year. And so the constant is the time, 12 months. The constant also is the principle that I put in of my money, 62,000, remember? And so the IDC or the I don't care, which is the interest, the dividends, and the capital gains, unrealized, was about 115,000, right? So that 115 plus the 62 is what I classify as other. Other could be my money I put in, interest, dividends, or unrealized capital gains. And so then I like to go to the calculator and reverse engineer into that to see what that percent is. So rather than like we normally think, where we're forecasting into the future, and we say, well, I hope the market's going to return X percent, and I'm going to forecast into the future what I want that to be, is different than reverse engineering and going back to see what your portfolio achieved because you've got mutual funds in stocks, you've got bonds, and they are all getting different uh, other gains as it was for me last year. It may not always be that, especially if we're going in a downward market, um, but it's fun to then put the numbers in with the constants and then you go to the percent and you tweak it a little bit until it gets to exactly the number that you see at the top for what the number would be for the end of year monetary value. And that's how I got to the 11.5% for what my portfolio did in 2021.
And the other thought of the week that I have before I move forward, again, I like to share with you guys my thoughts. I've been watching YouTube videos. I've been doing some studying because I'm not really settled in my analysis of if I continue to work through 2022, what am I going to be doing with a lot of this money that's no longer being filtered into my 401k, remember? Um, and I was saying that I want to feel comfortable and that finance is personal, which it is, and that I was thinking that I need to beef up my savings account, which is only making a half a percent of interest, to about $100,000. And I said that because I, I do think that I believe in what's known as the bucket strategy. But as I continue to think through it and do research, I'm not sure if I really believe that that's the best thing. Maybe I'll end up doing a blended approach because a lot of times in my life, and you can apply this to your life as well, if you do a lot of research and you see pros of one type of a thought process and cons and or pros of another and some cons, could you do a blended approach? A blended approach sometimes could be the best option for you. It's all personal. As long as you are doing the research, as I always say, to make sure that you make the best decision for you. And as I was doing some research, I, I stumbled upon this guy that I want to chat about here for just a minute, Rob Berger, who has a YouTube channel. And he also has a podcast, or he did have a podcast called Do, Do Roller Podcast. And I'm a little bit intrigued by his content. He's, I believe, the same age as I am, 55, somewhere in there. Um, of course, I know I'm 55, but he's probably uh, in that same age range as well. And he's not a financial advisor like me. He just likes to talk about money and share his thoughts. And as I've been doing my research and watching some of his videos, you know how that happens where you just get involved and you're like, oh my gosh, I like this person. I, I want to listen to what they're saying. And so I go back to his other episodes. He did have an episode that really intrigued me. He talked about the bucket strategy, um, and he also talked about rebalancing efforts. And then I found another article that I had read a long time ago, and I have on a piece of paper that intrigued me as well, about the whole concept of once you get into retirement, which I know for you guys might be in the future, it's a radar item for you, and hopefully this will help you as you go forward, is we all start to think about you know the distribution phase and what's the best strategy for us. And as I've been sharing with you, the bucket strategy is something that I thought would be useful, but I'm not so sure anymore. I'm doing some more research on the whole aspect of balancing your portfolio once a year that once you are not working anymore and retired, it creates what? Income. So I'm just learning more about that whole process. And I, I want to start by sharing this article with you that I read and I did a little graph on a piece of paper. And I revisited this the other day because I wanted to see, like, what does this really mean? And so what I'd like to share with you is, let's say you have a million dollar portfolio and you guys know I'm 60, 40 right now. So if you think about it, that would be about, you know, $600,000 in stocks in mutual funds, right? 600 grand. And the bond portion um, in this analysis is 35%. So we got 60% for that, 35% for bonds, which is 350,000. And they have 5,000 in cash. So that all equals 100%. Are you following me? 
So let's just say, for example, I wanted to get $40,000 of income every year going forward from my portfolio. Now, see, with this example, the cash is only $50,000, right? I was saying I need $100,000. Well, maybe not because that's not the best use of that money. Let me explain more what I mean by this. So in this article, and it's in line with, Rob, with what Rob Berger has been talking about, is that let's say, for example, we end the year like we did in 2021 with a very positive year, right? My bonds, no, my bonds went down a little bit, right? But uh, the previous year they went up and my stock portfolio went up as well. But so there's always things going on with your stocks and bonds. And by rebalancing is how you can get to the 40,000 of the need that you may want to pay your bills and have extra money in retirement. So this, this grid that I wrote on a piece of paper gives this example of what I'm saying here. So let's say the return of a given year on average for your portfolio was 6.2%. Just like I shared with you last week where I said mine was 11.5. And in this article on this little grid, I'm saying I, I wrote down some numbers here that said, okay, the cash, remember, started at 50,000 and that's 5% of the portfolio. Well, let's say it goes up um, 5%, which is 0 0.005. Then that ending balance in your cash account would be 50,250 at the end of the year. Okay, wait, 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 Evan. All right, I'm in the kitchen preparing lunch here. But anyway, um, everybody, please forgive Evan. He didn't mean to say that his that the cash went up 5%. That was half of a percent. Okay, Evan, go on. Well, let's say the bonds went up 4%. Remember, I'm getting to the average of 6.2%. But the bonds, if those go up 4%, and you started with 350000 which is 35% of your portfolio, and it goes up 44%, then what's your ending balance? It's not 350000 it's 364000 Now, the stocks, the mutual funds, remember, the balance was 600000 Well, at the end of the year... It went up, let's say, 8%. Well, you multiply the 600,000 times the 0 0.08, and that balance of your portfolio then would be $648,000. So the total portfolio at the end of the year, remember, began with a million. We're keeping the numbers really simple. That's 100%. Remember, you've got your 60% stocks, 35% bonds, 5% cash, and that's 100%. The average, Gain for this year, albeit unrealized, is 6.2%. So your ending balance is $1,062,250. Now remember, how much do you need? You need $40,000. So when I flip my little page over here, what we do then is we rebalance back to the original percent. Now, by the way, this is going on, even if you're continuing to work, right? You're supposed to rebalance your portfolio every year, but you're not really selling anything or ciphering money off of it. It's just going back into your bucket of money that you're growing over time for the engine that you're creating. But when you stop working, you're like, okay, I need this income, 40 grand. Okay, so hold that thought. And as I look at this second piece of paper that I wrote down, the goal then is to rebalance back, not to the original dollar amount, but to the original percents. Because if you look at it now, you would say, okay, 
My cash, as you know, is at now 50,250. And that percent of the portfolio, it's kind of non really, it's negligible in this instance, really. It's still about 5%. There's not much change there, but you have to rebalance to the original percent. So, what's the dollar amount? Well, you have to add 863 to get to your ending balance of 51,113, which is 5% of the portfolio. Okay. Now, with the bond portion, remember at the end of the year, we had 364000 and that now is 34%, but remember, we need to go back to 35%, so in this instance, you would subtract $6,213, and your ending balance then is $357,788, so now we're back to 35%, where before we were at 34%, because again, you're looking at the portfolio as a whole and you're rebalancing. And so when people say they're rebalancing, this is what it really means on paper. And then finally, the stock portion, if it was 648000 remember, that's what it grew to at the end of that year. Well, now it's at 61% and we need to get it back to 60%. So that would mean we'd have to take away 34,650. So the ending balance would be 613350. And now our portfolio is back to 5% cash, 35% bonds, 60% stock. And where did that money go in this really great year of this upward trajectory for both, all, all the three of them actually, cash, bonds, and stocks? Well, the your portfolio then is, remember, the one million sixty two thousand two fifty but we just have to subtract forty thousand to live on because we rebalanced to the original and we put that money into a spending account and now your ending balance is one million twenty two thousand two hundred fifty one so that represents a way that you can take money off of the portfolio and put it into the spending account to then Um, live your life in, let's say, the first year of retirement. So that thought process really resonates with me and it makes sense with me. Now, I haven't really figured out what would happen with these numbers in a downward market. I want an example and I tried to do that for today's episode and I failed. I couldn't figure it out. So maybe I'll figure that out later. And I do know, however, that when I was listening to another YouTube channel, something really resonated with me there. And it is this, that in a downward market, remember, little recessions come every five to seven years. We did have one in March of 2020, didn't we? And it was a V-shaped recovery and it came back up very quickly. But are they forecasting, you know, a correction or 20% more, uh, you know, stocks going down? Sure. In the next, you know, five to 10 years, of course, that will happen. And so knowing that, and if you are in retirement and you're living off of the money, there was one YouTube channel that I watched and I I rewound it. I went back and I'm like, wait a minute, I think I get that. I think I understand the concept of income, whereas before it was just something on my radar. I didn't really understand it. And in this example that I just gave in a good market, it does make sense to rebalance to get the 40K that you need. But in situations where the market goes down, yes, you're going to rebalance these numbers. And again, I haven't quite figured that out. But here's the general premise of it, is that if you have the bond funds 
in this example, about 350,000, or let's just bump it up for simplicity's sake to $400,000 in bonds. So remember, your portfolio is balanced. So if the market does go down and I decide to retire next year or the following, and we have a downward market, well, you're just going to leave the stock portion exactly where it is. If it goes down 20% or 30%, that's okay. I don't need income from that. And that's what they talk about when they say rebalancing to the advantage of what's going on in the market. So if I need the 40000 the $400,000 of bonds, if you look at it this way, if your portfolio has that $400,000 of bonds, if you divide that by 10, you get 40000 So what that means is as you go into retirement, into this long journey of 10, 20, 30, maybe more, of years and you have really good years because most of the years are really good you're kind of ciphering off of the top of the stocks right because they did so well it just makes sense to get the 40 grand from that in the example that i just shared with you but in a downward market what you're insulating yourself with or preventing from happening is let's not go to the stocks to sell and if you you know if you had 95% of your or 100% of your portfolio in stocks, yes, it's really aggressive and the returns are going to be more, but in the downward markets, you're going to be in trouble, which is where that bucket strategy could come in. But as I listen more to Rob Berger, he's saying, no, the better strategy is this bond portion of your portfolio provides that income for 10 years. Basically, are you following me? That's not 10 consecutive years. That's not what I'm implying at all. What I'm saying is if, let's say, in three to four years, we go into a downward market and I quit my job, I'm like, oh, no, I need the 40000 or whatever I need for that year, then that could represent one of the 10 years that you pull from the income of the bonds and you let the stock stay there. And then, of course, you know, the recovery of a recession is two years, three years, four years. We don't know. But you've built yourself an insulated uh, protection, if you will of 10 years. And that could be a one-year recession recovery, okay? Could have another and another five or seven years. It could be another two years or three years, right? Well, that's up to four years. You still have six years to go. And you just continue on like that as you go throughout retirement. And so that really resonated with me. That really resonated with me in terms of understanding what they say when you rebalance your portfolio and what do we all need when we quit our job? Income. And the, the concept is where do you pull from? Well, you pull from what the one that makes the most sense in the environment of what you are during that year, if it's a good year in a bull market or a bad year in a bear market. So with that being said, and segueing in to the content of today's episode, I just want to wrap up that thought process, my thought of the week, really significant as I was Googling and listening to some concepts, and I'm going to rethink getting my online savings account through Ally, which only pays 0.5% to 100 grand. I don't know if I really need to do that. And as I shared with you last week, if the market does go down in 2022, then I'm prepared to pop that money into the most um, greatest opportunity, and I'll check with Vanguard. Um, with what to do with that, which is why they're there. And I love that because I can schedule appointments with them at any time, as you know. 
and I'm not I'm not going to put I'm not going to bring my uh, 401k paycheck percent back to 27%. That's not what I'm implying. I'm going to keep it at 6% to get the company match. And but I'm going to just be going month by month in 2022 and figuring out if for example the market does go down like it just did. You guys know, if you're following the market this past week, we had some volatility. And so I didn't take advantage of that. I didn't purchase any shares. Um, but if that happens, if we have a downturn in 2022, then I may take some of that money and pop it into the market at that time. It's not really a market timing type thing because I'm doing my dollar cost averaging normally anyway, but it's taking advantage of an opportunity, which then means I really don't need perhaps to have my cash cushion quite as large as it has been or what I wanted it to be. So on with the show today, we're getting back to basics or biking to basics or walking to basics or, or however you want to put it. I believe that for me, sharing with you something very simple is going to have a really big impact for me. And I want you to share my excitement about what I'm thinking. And it's something so basic that it really surprises me that I'm actually thinking this way. And yet something as simple as what I'm going to share with you really has a huge impact on not only my fitness, but my financial life in 2022 as well. You know, yesterday I was talking to a friend of mine named Michael. I, I haven't told anybody in my personal life, as I've shared with you guys before, that I have a podcast. Nobody knows. Um, my name's not really Evan Thomas, as you know, which I've shared with you. So I'm anonymous. I can talk into this microphone and share with you my thoughts about my financial journey. But Michael does know that I have a podcast, but he does not know what it's called. And I've never told him because I'm kind of embarrassed to have him go listen to these episodes. Isn't that funny? Because I just feel like I have this connection with you guys, the listener, and it's a very personal thing that I'm sharing here. And even though actually with Michael, we do share numbers about our real journey because we've been on this mission of early retirement for about 10 years that I've known him, uh, 11 years actually. And I have actually rubbed off on him a little bit because he always did not think this way. And I've kind of, uh, just by me, you know, me sharing ideas with him, he is now over the years kind of been thinking about frugality and not having as many expenses and, you know, kind of flirting, if you will, with the whole concept of what early retirement may be, may mean to him. And so yesterday he was driving to Fort Lauderdale. And so we, we talked on the phone for about an hour. And while we were talking, I was thinking, wow, this would make a really interesting podcast for my listeners because we were talking so openly about what I just shared with you in the first part of today's episode, which is the whole concept of what do I really believe in as far as the distribution strategies of bucket strategies versus the rebalancing efforts and whatever you believe and whatever you want to do 
is good because as I said, it's a blended approach perhaps. And so I was sharing with him and the whole time I thought, wow, I wish, I wish I was recording, which I would never do unless he knew about it. But to have a conversation with two people that are kind of in the same place, we're kind of the same age, we're kind of thinking about corporate America and not having, you know, longevity into like our 60s in in that area. And, you know, by having this on our radar and talking through it, even though it's something that may not be, you know, he may not retire for another two to three years or something, but we're kind of flirting with this whole concept of, is this possible? And which is why I like to share with you guys where I am. And so um, just wish I wanted to share with you that, you know, wow, that would have been cool if I could have recorded it. Maybe I'll talk to him in the future and say, would he be up for that type of a possibility? And then we can share, you can listen to a conversation of a couple of guys that are you know, thinking about early retirement and what that may mean for you guys as you start thinking about this as well. Because if you found my podcast, you guys are probably, as I always say, broke perhaps at 40 or whatever age you are, and you're looking for encouragement, you're looking for inspiration. And so the only way I can do that is to share with you things that I learn about, you know, personal finance or early retirement. And I do so in this forum of the podcast. And so today then segueing into the content of this episode is, as I mentioned last week, I gave you a little bit of a teaser about what I wanted to talk about today. And it's so basic and yet it really has and will have a big impact, as I said, on my financial life. So let's get started with that. You may recall last week, I said that my grocery budget is about $6,240 for the year, which is $120 a week. Now, over the past three years or more, I've been kind of in denial with that because my budget, as you know, is a build a budget where I can borrow from other buckets. And as far as long as I end the year exactly what I hoped for in terms of what money came in and what money came out, I'm really not too concerned about the allocation of those funds into the appropriate buckets of spending, like for internet, gas, groceries, you know, my mortgage, insurance, all of those, all of those things, right? So all added up, your operating budget. I don't really care if I go over in one area as long as I borrow from another. But as I've shared with you guys, one of my goals, of course, is to have a more fulfilling life while I'm still working and find ways to use some money to my advantage that can enrich my life with experiences, because that's what we all want. And you guys know I've been super frugal. And even though that makes me happy, I do want to learn for myself, for my own personal development, ways that I can use money that's there for experiences, And so when I shared with you that my budget is $6,240, but last year I overspent and I spent $7,425, well, that's a $1,200 overage, which I borrowed from my gas money budget because I wasn't driving my car much, and my fun budget for experiences. And yes, I know we're going through a pandemic, and so we're all kind of honkering down anyway, which is to some extent to our advantage, to learn to be perhaps self-sufficient, 
to not need other people, perhaps financially and even emotionally speaking. Yes, we need people. But what I'm saying is, you know, introverts, perhaps like I am, um, believe it or not, even though I'm talking into this microphone, I don't feel as though I need as many people constantly to reassure me of certain things. I'm pretty confident in my own abilities. And yet, you know, going through a pandemic, we're all starting to rethink what experiences mean to us. And so um, I've also been researching recently uh, things that inspire me. You've probably heard of the whole concept of coast fire, which really means for somebody like me and for you in the future, if you continue on the journey and try to save as much as you possibly can, remember your goal is to get your savings rate to be as high as it can possibly be. And the earlier you get there, in my opinion, the better, because some people believe that, you know, because I got to this amount of finances and I'm still only 55, could I rethink the next three to five years and maybe continue to work as long as it's still making me happy? And those are things I'm exploring, but coasting just a little bit and not spending, or I'm sorry, not, well, not spending is so much money into your investments, if that makes sense and putting it more into fun money and do things that make you happy while you're in the year that you're in. So I'm kind of exploring that, and I touched on it a little bit by the fact that I've reduced my 401k because I've got this chunk of change which the engine is created and will grow on its own regardless of how much more money I put into it. And so could I coast for three to five years and continue to work and not pull from it and not put so much money in? and maybe save some of that, I'm not, I'm sorry, not save, but spend some of that 65,000 that I'm putting into those savings and investments? Of course I could, but that comes at a price. And that price is I would continue to be working for the next, you know, three to five years to make that happen. So I'm kind of flirting with that too, (laughs) if you will. Um, But back to the um, concept of my budget, just to keep this simple and to get back to basics, that overage of 1200 is what I'm going to try to solve for in 2022. And I know it's not that amount of, it's not a whole lot of money in the scheme of things, but this is how you can train yourself to think. And so I started to think back to my early years of building financial freedom. And I remembered Pete Adeney's article, um, Mr. Money Mustache, as you may know, is very well known in the financial space. And I remember him talking about barbells, bikes, and salads, I think it was, you know, or maybe it was salads, bikes, and barbells, something like that, where he was implying and helping readers understand that by physical fitness, you know, using your own body to go somewhere, to get from A to B, to go out there, even if it's snowing, get all bundled up, It makes you feel powerful knowing that you're using your own energy to get from A to B. Like, remember, if you're familiar with him, he bikes sometimes to the grocery store, right? Well, some people might think, oh, my God, that looks so silly. Why not drive there, right? Well, I remembered that. I thought, okay, for fitness, eating salads, which I already do, and I already do my pennies, as you know, my exercises as I'm working throughout the day. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, if you put five pennies on your desk, that's a visual reminder that you should stop working, get up for 10 minutes, do some lunges, do some squats, do some push-ups, do some uh, bicep curls, tricep extensions, and just get up 
and move for 10 minutes and then sit down and put one of those pennies in the drawer. Later, after an hour or two, you look, you're like, oh, I've got four pennies to go. Well, put one of those pennies in the drawer, get up and start moving. By the end of the day, you just did 50 minutes of exercising, which is better in many cases than going to the gym and doing one hour of strenuous activity. That's what studies show. So by adopting things like that can really encourage you to do better, not only with fitness, but with finance. So remembering back and anchoring to that article, I really thought, okay, Pete, you're onto something. That is really inspiring. And I wanted to share that with you today. And what I'm going to be doing in 2022, which I told you last week is, rather than driving to the grocery store once a week, like I've been doing, and just spending like overage, obviously, rather than the 120 a week, I was spending 160, 180 sometimes, it was out of control, which is how I got that overage of like 12 or $1,300 and borrowed from my fund budget. So I don't wanna do that. And yes, this is something small, but what I chose to do is I decided, by the way, I painted my car, remember I told you? My Mazda 3 with 25,000 miles on it. It's painted. It looks great. I shared that with you. But when I gave you my condo redesign number last year of $5,200, I forgot to tell you that that included $900 was in that number for my car as well. So it wasn't only the condo, it was the car, $5,200. But anyway, <clears throat> what I decided to do, even though I have the shiny car now, it's parked kind of far away from where my condo is in the parking lot and I bought a cover for it, which I'm gonna be using and covered up, it just kind of intrigues me and excites me and challenges me to think outside of the box, which is what I wanna treat teach you guys today to do. So I live in a warm climate. So I also live within a mile or two of a grocery store. No, it's probably a, it takes me uh, like less than 15 minutes to walk there. So I don't even know how far it is, but you know, I shared with you last week, I was walking there. <clears throat> I walked there this morning on Sunday. Now, rather than obviously I can't, I can't like, you know, bring all the groceries back. I can't go, I can't walk to the grocery store once a week. I have to break it down into three is what I decided. So I'm going to go Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. <clears throat> well, last week I went Friday morning because Thursday didn't quite work. You can adjust it, but know that when you walk there, you have $40 to spend. That's your budget, right? 40, 40, 40 is 120. So that's my budget. So as I'm, before I go, actually you have to plan, you have to be disciplined. So first thing when I wake up, I sit down and I think, okay, go to the refrigerator, look in your cupboard. What do I need to purchase during that day to leverage the entire week. And I've started to think differently. And this is going to then take away that 1200 overage because I'm going to be just more critical of what I'm doing. And you have to think differently because if you're used to going to the grocery store once a week, you probably got it down like I did, right? I would know I need the chicken, the ground turkey, the soups or the vegetables or the fruits, maybe the yogurt, which I don't do a lot of dairy, but you know, I had it down in terms of I knew I knew how much to get, <clears throat> which would then last the entire week until I would go the following Saturday or whatever it was. Well, now I'm thinking, okay, Evan, B, 
be smarter. I downloaded the Publix app to my phone. Yes, I'm going to be one of those people that is looking at the BOGO ads, buy one, get one free. I never thought I'd become that person, really, <laughs> the, <laughs> the coupon clipper, right? Um, but that's what I'm becoming. And in fact, I'm becoming that person that you probably annoys you when you see them at the grocery store where I have my backpack and I go to the self-checkout. And, you know, there's always somebody behind you some kid from high school or something that they hired to make sure that I'm doing it right. And today, actually, I thought I bought this chicken, which was buy one, get one free. But as I looked at all the chicken, I'm like, okay, I think it's everybody bought it all. I wasn't sure, but I, I got the cutlets instead. And I thought, okay, each of those are about $7. I think those will probably ring up as buy one, get one free. So yes, it's sad to say that I'm that person that was like leaning over to the girl. I had my mask on. And I said, I think these are two for one, buy one, get one free. I'm that person now that's like annoying. And she comes over and she's like, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Well, I said, okay, I didn't see the chicken breasts. So I think they're out. And she goes, oh, I'll go check. So she goes away for a while. And you know what? When you ask for something, you normally get it sometimes, right? And if I didn't get it, that would have been fine. I just would have bought one. Well, she comes back and says, yeah, I talked to the manager. That's fine. We're going to let you have this. And so she reduced it. So Never be afraid uh, to ask. And this can be big things in your financial life or little small things like this that can add up over time of 52 weeks. You know, because I'm going to be walking to the grocery store 156 times. 40 times 156 is the 6240. It's three times a week. That is what I've decided my goal would be. I'm bundling habits. So just to take a minute to talk about James Clear, remember he wrote the book, Atomic Habits. And as I shared with you, I have not really read that book. Um, but just as a simple Google search, you can learn about what that really means. Like, why is it called Atomic Habits? Well, Atomic Habits mean a tiny or small type habit that in a sense, habits are like the atoms of our lives, he says in the book. They are small routines or practices, fundamental units that combine into the overall system of behaviors that make up our daily lives. And so, you know, just by looking at that, the thing that I'm getting that's resonating with me, most importantly, is the bundling aspect. So what I'm doing, and you could do the same, whether it be this example of going to the grocery store or anything else you do is to look at these things that you're doing. And if you act smarter, and if you think about it in advance, like I sit down and look at like, what's the buy one, get one free. I am more concerned about the weeks into the future than the one week I'm looking at. And that's how you have to think about finance as well. So for example, extra virgin olive oil was two for one. They're $9 each. I saved $9. That's not going to go bad in the cupboard. That can last me for four or five months. Whereas before I would have bought two, you know, one at a time. Well, that would have been $10. So I just saved 10 there. That's just one example that can add up to equal this 1200 where I happen to be over. Could I take that 1200 then and then go on a vacation, do something with that money? Of course I can. So I'm just going to be smarter and it doesn't take that much time effort, you guys, like I'll take a look at the weekly ads on my phone. I don't have to get the paper at the grocery store, but, you know, download an app at any grocery store. You're going to see their ads, scroll through, buy one, get one free, and think about, is that something that you want 
now and or in the future. And remember, your goal is to spend just the 40 per visit if you go three times a week like I'm going to do. So by bundling the habits, though, I've shared with you before that I like to walk my way to wealth. I'm always out walking. You know, I'm doing my pennies with my exercises. I'm using my own body weight. I don't need to go to a gym, spend a lot of money at the at the gym. You know, I can use my own body weight. And of course, my friends are like, yeah, that's a lot of body weight. I'm like, okay, stop. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, doing squats or push-ups and these, these things that we don't need money for. Buy yourself a good pair of shoes. Go outside and walk. And so because I wasn't always walking, you know, I, I share with you guys that I walk. Of course I do. But are there weeks where I get busy with work and I tend to not do it? That happens. And so by committing to this for 2022, for me, walking to the grocery store three times a week is going to do two things. It's going to get my steps in that I need, that I want to commit to as well, which is very important. But at the same time, I'm bringing back groceries from the grocery store. And I'm more concerned now with meeting the forecast of the budget, which I will do. And in fact, when I log it in my spreadsheet now, if I actually went over for the week by eight or so dollars, then I'll be more cognizant the following week to see if I can pick up those eight dollars. And that way of thinking is how you're going to walk your way to success, right, with fitness, but also bundle this into the um, the um, budget financially as well. So that's what I have for you guys today on this episode of the Broke at 40 podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you take some time to think about the simple things you can do within your budget that will make a huge impact. Again, not only for your financial life, but for your fitness life as well. You know, fitness is so important to all of us. And I know so many people um, just don't have the time to do the exercises that they want, myself included sometimes. Um, and as I said last week, I'm going to try to in, infuse more episodes that are related to fitness and tie it to finance, like today's episode, where I hope that you again go back to your budget and think about things that you could bundle in terms of habits that are related to exercise, whether it be walking to the grocery store, or maybe getting up and doing your pennies and sets of exercise with your own body weight while you're maybe working from home or whatever you can do to be what I like to refer to as the hunter and the gatherer of your life. So I'm gonna leave you like I always leave you. I want you to make it your mission to walk with me to wealth. You guys know I appreciate you. I believe in you, and I congratulate you for every step of the way. I'm Evan Thomas. I'll see you next week on the Broke at 40 podcast. All righty, that's going to do it for another episode, everybody. Hey, I've got a favor. If you've got a friend that's struggling financially at any age, please share this episode with them. Let them know that I went from broke to a million dollar net worth in just about 14 years. And if I can do it, anybody can. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review. We would really appreciate it. 
What do I always say? It's okay to be broke at 40. It really is, but not at 50 or 55 now that you found us. You can change your financial destiny. I'm Evan Thomas, and this is the Broke at 40 podcast.